0: Well, I've been going through the book of 1 John for the last number of months. I honestly, when I first started this thing, I thought we might get maybe a month's worth of sermons out of this. It is, it, I, I, I studied this book before. I mean, I went through a master, my, my master's level classes uh, to get my master's degree, and one of the classes I took was a study of the Gospel of John and the three books of John, and I remember going through this, but I don't remember recognizing how rich and how deep this is. And so as we've been going through this over the last number of weeks, this has just been, it's hard to get through it because I I don't want to skip anything. I, I want to keep going and going deeper and deeper and deeper. So where we're at in this study is we're just a little bit past halfway in this short five chapter book. And uh, we are in the tail end of chapter 3. So this morning, we're going to be picking up our study of the book of First John in chapter 3, verse 19 through 24. So let's go ahead and read that together, and then we'll start picking it apart here. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. There's so much in there. The one thing that to me is like very central is this idea of confidence. And what I want to talk to us about this morning is this idea of confidence. Um, the the title, if I'm going to put a title on this, is just the reassurance of God. God speaking through his his teacher, preacher, prophet John to the church that John wrote to, but also ultimately to all of us. He is saying God is speaking through John, and he is saying to you, "You are mine." Yes, you can answer that. You are mine. I love you. I, I have welcomed you into my, my family. I wooed you. You wouldn't have responded if I didn't. You wouldn't have come to me if I hadn't already wooed you. And I need you to understand that you are, I don't want to say signed, sealed, and delivered, but you're signed, sealed, and delivered as far as God is concerned. And one of the things that Bob Sugden as a human being struggled with most of my life. And it wasn't until just recent years that God released me from it. Um, I had a fear of rejection from the earliest days of my life. I didn't even remember this being, this, this thing happening. I remembered it happening, but I never made the connection until just recently when God healed me of my fear of rejection. And this was this. Every single day, I'm the oldest of seven kids. Every single day, my dad would go to work. He was in the Navy. And at this particular point in our life, he was on his shore duty. So he would go to work and come home every night. Every single day, I'm like three or four years old. My father would go to work. He would come home from work. He would come in the front door of our living room. And myself and my brother, Chris, who's the next youngest, would come running to him. Daddy, 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 daddy. And he would sweep us up in his arms and pick us up and love on us and say, I love you. And then he'd put us down. Then he'd give my mom a kiss. And then he'd come into the house and we would do our evening stuff. Every single night, Monday through Friday, every week. Then my dad got injured. He hurt his back. He got bad, so badly injured in his back that he was hospitalized for about three days or so. When he came home from the hospital, my dad walked in the door. Now, three-year-old or four-year-old Bob doesn't make the distinction between he's coming home from the hospital or he's coming home from work. Daddy's home. And so Bob and Chris come running. Daddy, 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 daddy! And what happens? Daddy walks to the door. Daddy, 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 daddy he goes, no! 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 Don't! Now, He was not rejecting me. He was saying, I'm hurt. (laughs) And I can't afford for you to get into my arms right now because it will hurt me. So please don't jump on me. Please, it will hurt me. That's what he was communicating to me when he did this. But my little brain saw my daddy say, I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't want to pick you up anymore. Now, I could not articulate that at that age. But it was only a few years ago, less than 10, that God gave me the insight to what had happened then and how it damaged and broke me. So I carried that hurt, that rejection, that pain, for the better part of half a century. And the end result was, anytime, anytime someone said I wasn't good or said I failed to measure up or didn't like something I had created, it was a stab in the depth of my core, my being. And it was debilitating for me as a human being. I can share with you time and time and time again where I was so broken as a human being, as an adult, where I that my feet got knocked out from under me so many times. One time, for example, and I can't share all the details, but one time we had been asked to babysit for a, a, a relative. And that relative misbehaved while they were in our care. And so I responded to that relative in the same way that I would have responded to my children. I wasn't unkind or mean-spirited to my kids. I didn't abuse my children, but I did raise my voice to my kids. And I did speak sharply to my kids when they were wrong. And I said, hey, knock it off. Well, this person's parents never did that to their child. They do not raise their voice to their child. They reason with their child. And that's their parenting style. That's okay. But this child who was in my care... Got scared because I yelled at her in a very harsh and mean-spirited way and went home and reported to mommy and daddy what I had done. So a phone call was made. We won't be having you take care of our child anymore. No explanation other than we won't be having you take care of her. Our... Now this is my, in my relative. This is my relative! And I literally went into full blown panic mode don 't reject me don 't don't don't don 't lock me out of my out of your life i can 't take you, please. I mean, I literally was slobbering all over myself in anxiety and fear that sh- they were rejecting me again back then i couldn 't articulate it the way i 'm articulating it now. It was just a horrible visceral response to this rejection that I was experiencing. Now, multiply that over and over and over and over and over again in my life. And I, it was hard to be that person. It was hard for me to be that person. Because I never felt good enough. I never felt like I could measure up. I always felt like there was going to be another shoe drop. Someone might, literally, I swear these people would say this to me, and they meant it in jest, but they didn't understand what it meant to me. They would say, literally, I've had people say it multiple times in my adult life, I don't care what anybody else says, I really think you're a good guy. Now, they are saying it in jest. They were saying it to be nice. But do you hear what that says to someone who struggles with the fear of rejection? I don't care what anybody else says about you, I think you're okay. Okay. Now, let's bring this into the spiritual realm. God, I'm very sorry that I have offended you. I am very sorry that I have sinned. Please forgive me of my sins. Of course I forgive you, my son. The blood of Christ has cleansed you from all sin. And yes, even though we've been in relationship for almost 40 years, and yes, I would have expected by this point in your walk, with me, That you wouldn't be struggling with this still. But it's okay. I, I forgive you. I love you. you, you you're still part of my family. No, I'm not. You, you can't possibly forgive me for those of I keep doing over and over and over again. God, I can't believe that I'm such a horrible Christian. I can't even call myself a Christian. God is not right. I just keep... God... I... Now, what did God say to me in that transaction? God said, I love you. God said, I welcome you. God said, I have forgiven you. God said, I am not rejecting you. But my brokenness as a human being prohibited me from receiving that. I couldn't accept the unconditional love of God. And the end result was, the enemy had a great tool to be able to knock the props out from underneath me. Now, thank God. Thank God he brought healing to my life. He gave me insight. He gave me the ability to see and to discern when that's happening. And I don't walk in that anymore. But it was hard walking for 40 plus years like that. How many of you people know why I wear a red wristband? Just raise your hand if you know the story. A few of you do. I'll share with you quickly. I was 12 years old or 11 years old, 12, something like that. We were living in Rhode Island. The choir teacher at school told us for the Christmas concert all the choir members had to wear black trousers, and the girls could either wear trousers or skirts. And all of those, all of us had to wear uh, either uh, had to wear button-down Oxford-style shirts, the women and the men, and we all had to wear either pastel pink, pastel blue, pastel yellow, or red. Well, I didn't want to wear pastel, so I determined that I wanted to wear red. So I came home from school and I said, Mom, we're having a concert in December. And the choir director told us that we have to have black pants and a red shirt. Now, my dad is working three jobs just to put food on the table and clothes on our feet, I mean, clothes on our back and shoes on our feet. And so I come in and I say, Mom, there's a requirement for my school. I have to have a red shirt. I didn't own a red shirt. So my mom had to go and buy me a red shirt so that I could wear it for the concert. Then we get to the night of the concert and I show up wearing my brand new red shirt and my black trousers and my black shoes and we're standing in the foyer of the uh, of the auditorium waiting for the concert to get ready to start and one of my good friends shows up wearing his black trousers and his black shoes and his pastel yellow shirt. And my mother turns to him and says, Johnny, where's your red shirt? What do you mean where's my red shirt? I don't have to have a red shirt. Well, yes you do. Everybody has to have a red shirt for the choir concert. No, we could wear red or pink or yellow or blue. It's whatever color we chose. And my mother in that instant turned and looked at me with the mother look. As if to say, I cannot believe you lied to me. I can't believe you deceived me like that. Now, fast forward six or seven or eight years. I'm now married to this woman. We're going to a church in Texas. I'm on the church league softball team for our church and our church's uniform is a white shirt with red baseball pants and white socks with a red stripe down the side. I was always uncomfortable wearing those red baseball pants because they were so skinny and skin tight and I just felt really uncomfortable. I felt awkward. I felt like everybody was staring at me and I just couldn't feel comfortable wearing them. And then there was another time in our life, just a year or two after that. I was wearing some red shorts, and I felt the same thing. They're just off. They, they're a little bit. They're just drawing so much attention to me, and I feel really uncomfortable. I'm just not. And then, in 2002, I think it was. It was in 2001 or 2002. I went to an altar of prayer at the end of a church service, and I walked down to the altar, and I said, just just said to God. I don't want this to be an emotional experience. I don't want there to be tears. I don't want there to be people behind me patting me on the back. Oh, we're praying for you, brother. I just God, this is just you and me. I want to lay down this burden of shame that I have carried for so long. I know you've forgiven me of my sins, but I want to lay down the shame that I carry. And I'm asking you, God, would you please just take this away from me? No tears, no big emotions. Just take it, please. And I stood up from that altar and I walked away a free man. And then a few weeks later, my wife looked at me one day. She didn't know anything about what what I've just told you. None of that came out until later. But she said to me one time after that, she said, Why are you wearing red? I don't know. I like it. You've never worn red. You've always said you didn't feel comfortable wearing red. I don't know. And as I reflected on it, God brought me right back to that night in that auditorium, in that foyer of that auditorium, where I was shamed and humiliated and told that I was a liar and rejected by my mother. To this day, every day, I wear red. Why? Because I'm free. (laughs) I am free. I no longer carry that burden. This is something the enemy used to trip me up as a human being. And it affected how I could receive the love of God. Now let's move back to this. First John chapter three, verses 19 through 24. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and it will reassure our heart before God for whenever our heart condemns us, you hear this? Whenever your heart condemns you, know that God is greater than your heart. Beloved, oh, excuse me, he's greater than your heart. And he knows everything. See, you're thinking, oh, I'm not not worth anything. I'm so bad, I'm horrible. God could never forgive me if he just knew what I have been hiding. But God knows everything. There's nothing about you that you've hidden that he doesn't see. There's nothing in you that he rejects except your willfulness against his command. If you willingly submit your life to him, if you willingly declare Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, if you walk in love as we are commanded, there is no rejection. Going back, verse 22, no, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. And this is the commandment, again, that we believe in the name of Jesus, that we love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, God in him, and by this we know he abides in us. By the spirit whom he has given us. I told you at the beginning of this service. That I felt impressed by God, the Holy Spirit this morning in my dressing room. That I was supposed to wear a particular shirt today. I truly don't know why I don't wear this regularly. I wear it. Maybe I think I've worn it all total of maybe four times in my entire life. But I believe with all of my heart, God has a reason for me to do this. And the way, the reason I can walk in that confidence, the reason that I can wear this and know that this is God and not Bob, is because I have spent years honing my ability to discern when the Holy Spirit of God is talking to me. I can know that I know that A, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. I know that the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all sin. I know that I'm in right relationship with God. As a result of that, I know that the Father has given me the guarantee of his Holy Spirit to be ever present with me while I walk this earth until the day comes when I leave this earth and go to be with God physically or in face to face. So I know, at least I know up here, that the presence of God is ever with me and God will not reject me as long as I'm walking with him and doing what I'm asked to do. And so I know the Bible clearly says I can get what I ask for. When I pray, I can know that he hears me. I can know that he doesn't reject me. I can know that I can get what I ask for. Now, does that mean I get absolutely everything? Do you give your child absolutely everything that they ask you for? No, because you know better than they. So sometimes just because I ask for it doesn't mean I'm going to get it. But I can have confidence that I'm not going to get rejected out of hand. Okay? I can have confidence that I have the right. Given by God himself, I have the right to walk up to my father. Remember the story of Esther? Esther said, I can't go into the throne room without fear of death. Because if I go up to that throne and he doesn't extend his scepter to me in greeting and welcome, then I'm going to be carried off and I'm going to be executed. I don't have to fear that when I come into the throne room of God. I already have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit of God with me. So I know that I can walk in confidence before him. I can ask him for anything and know that he'll hear me. And know that he will give me what is appropriate and right. And he'll respond to my prayers. But I would venture to say, because I was watching you guys as I talked this morning, there's a number of you who identify very much with what I've shared about that feeling of I I just don't measure up. I feel like God doesn't really really accept me. I feel like I've messed up one time too many, and it's just He's done. I could see it in your faces. It was really amazing to see it. you just kind of wilted as I was speaking. And what that says to me is that the enemy has had the opportunity to beat you up a little bit over the years. And instead of being able to stand with confidence and say, I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of the king. And I know that I have authority and you have no authority over me. Remember last week's sermon? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so the confidence that I want you to walk out of here with this is this. God himself has given you the assurance of his love for you that he will not reject you. You simply need to walk by faith. Jesus' blood, right relationship with God, and I'm going to love I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love every human being I come in contact with because that's the commandment that I'm walking under. That's the ordination that I have. I must love. End of discussion. You do that, you can know with confidence. You can have the assurance that you are in right relationship with God and you are not being rejected. And when the enemy tries to make your heart feel that way, you can literally shake your fist and say, no! And I will go right back to 1 John chapter 3 where Pastor Bob taught us. God does not reject his own. The enemy tries to hurt us by making us think he will. And when we lack the confidence, that's when we need to stand on the authority of the word of God. As long as you can sense the presence of God, you got the confidence. That's what the Bible tells us right here. But there are going to be times in your walk where you're just not going to feel confident. Where you're just going to have that, uh, did I mess up one time too many? Uh, and the enemy's going to pounce on that and try to make you feel less than. And that's when you need to stand on this truth. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you too much and he's paid too high a price for you to just say, Phew. I'm done. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would give these people power and strength and authority and confidence and reassurance as they walk out of here this morning. Renew for them, God, your love, your acceptance, your joy at seeing them thrive as they walk the path you lay before them. Go with us this morning, Father. And as we take this bread and drink this juice, Father, I pray that you would just overwhelm us with the sense of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.